We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Markets now. We're watching very carefully. We're very nervous. Things have changed a bit in the recent quarter. We went from buying on the dips to... The dips are moving up and down faster. And we're dealing with the 10-year Treasury, which is partially pseudo-controlled by the Federal Reserve. We're dealing with higher interest rates and the ramifications it has for corporate borrowing, individual borrowing, the ramifications that borrowing has for using that money to be speculative and going out and doing things, or do you just sit on your house every day and put the money into your equity? And yeah, yeah. So when you borrow, you tend to go out and stimulate the economy. When you're saving, you're not doing a lot of stimulation. So we're kind of paying attention there. I think this could be a year of a lot of mergers and acquisitions. So to take advantage of the tax cuts, and the cash repatriation. So I don't think it's going to be a profound shift into mergers and acquisitions, but I think you're going to see companies like Embraer, who makes jets, and people like Boeing and Bombardier and every Airbus going, do we want these guys? Yes or no? How can we get some synergies? So in an era where market valuations have gone up and up and up and up and they've been propped up in the last 12 months by the promise of lower taxes so we get those lower taxes now we're going to see what those lower taxes actually mean in 2018 so it's a nervous market right now it's not horrible but it's nervous tech has hit a wall amazon hit trump facebook hit privacy Google has a little bit of privacy issues as well, for sure, with the European Union. Um, do I think some of these stocks have now created an entry point and buying opportunity for those who wanted them, wanted them, wanted them, but didn't want to chase them? Yeah, I do. But that's okay. One of the big news out there today is Intel's kind of getting the short straw in the how do we make love, sweet love to Apple. So Intel was part of a speculative report about Apple dumping their chips for Mac computers. One winner would be Taiwan Semiconductor because Apple designed the chips and Taiwan Semiconductor makes chips. They're kind of one of those companies that you know says, oh, you need bullets? We've, we've got a factory that, make, that makes bullets. And we'd love to give it to you for, you know, amount of time that you need so that you can make your bullets but just so you know your competitors are welcome to make bullets too so taiwan semi would be a winner here the contract chip manufacturer is what they're called 
It has foundries. Foundries have ovens, kind of, that bake the semiconductors. Um, creating fabs, custom parts that Apple designers for use in their iPhone, iPad, and iMacs. Losing Apple's Mac business could cost Intel about $4 billion in annual revenue. That's a lot. So keep in mind, Intel is projected to generate $65 billion in revenue this year. So it's about 5 to 6%. So you watch headlines like this, and when you know the, the, the details, you kind of have a little bit of an advantage. NVIDIA is another semiconductor tech company that's kind of hit a wall. And yet they haven't really done anything other than Tesla and Uber have been in some car crashes with their self-driving cars, of which NVIDIA, part of the reason people are willing to pay a premium for, not only do they make graphic processing units, but their GPUs that you know are really game chips for companies like Sony and Xbox and PCs. They're really starting to be used for artificial intelligence and machine learning, which, again, I don't think people really figured out machine learning and artificial intelligence until it kind of hit Facebook. And when you hear that, you know, every time you've ever searched, Facebook has saved it. Every time you've ever searched inside of Facebook. Like, whoa. So do you change your rating or your opinion on NVIDIA? Um, quickly, or do you do it slowly? Are you waiting for another data point? Because on the way up, you're like, oh, they just added, you know, data centers. Oh, they just added cars. Oh, they just added, you know, artificial intelligence. Oh, they just added more servers. And year over year, their data center business is doubling. That's pretty impressive. Now, again, it's only 20% of their business, roughly. But again, it's a stock everyone asks me questions on. I'm like, okay, you wanted an opportunity. You have it. Is it still appropriate for you, or has the risk of the market um, become more of an issue for you? Something terribly, terribly wrong with America. Donald Trump's approval rating went up with male voters after the Stormy Daniels controversy. Are they tied together? Are men impressed when women, I'm sorry, are men impressed when other men hook up with porn stars? I won. I won. <laughs> Oh, my. Oh, my, my, my. So, oh, my, my, my. One of the areas that I kind of cheat in is I do have some online bank accounts for my savings. And I think it it stops me from going to the bank or let's say I go to Vegas this weekend and and I really want another thousand dollars. I need another thousand dollars, but I don't want to take it from the bank account because the sugar booger may see that. So you can, no, then you're like, online, too easy to get. But then you go online, you're like, no, hmm, it's a problem. So a lot of online savings accounts are already paying in excess of 1.75% in interest. And I like online bank accounts because it's tougher for you to get to your savings. There's no ATM play with it for me. I don't like ATM cards. I don't like debit cards in any way, shape, or form. And anytime I'm sitting like in a bar or a restaurant and someone pays with a debit, I go, can I just give you a courtesy financial tip? I'm a financial guy. Like, you got to kill the debit card. You got to get that out of your wallet because you're not getting anything for it. And credit card companies are willing to give you perks for using their card. The amount of risk that you have with 
a debit card is way higher than the amount of risk you assume with a credit card. And I don't like that. Um, just throwing out that out at you. Tiger Woods is in the news yet again. He's in another breakup that's getting ugly. Christian Smith, who dated him from 2015-2017, is in arbitration over a non-disclosure agreement. Go! Woods. He sought treatment for sex addiction in 2010. And he makes people sign NDAs. All right. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Tesla's in the news again today. It's been a pretty interesting time for them. Whether it's the autopilot being on while a driver dies for the second time. They seem to be kind of disrespecting the government as far as turning over crash data. There's a lot going on right now. I'll be honest with you. Um, Taking a look at the markets, I wouldn't really... Uh, be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. This is a pretty complicated market, so try not to get a gut feeling. I get emails from people who haven't really fleshed out what they really want to do yet in the next five years. and then, But yet they'll say, I think I should sell now. I know people who sold back in November of 2016 when Donald Trump was elected. Only to watch the market roll up not break down and they go what should i do now it's it's an interesting dilemma i'm glad i don't have to make it myself but the market to me is put in both a double top and a double bottom but the momentum's on the downside sp 500 dips below 200 day moving averages tech has kind of fallen apart big blue chip dividends has started to fall apart energy and utilities are working and that's that. Another day, another attack by Donald Trump on Amazon. With that said, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to get a little financial planning perspective from the one, the only, Mr. Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Great. So you recently bought a house. What was that process like? Um, well, the, it was, so it's kind of a two-step process. Well, I'm looking for like credit stories, down payment, realtors, those kind of things. Well, yeah, I mean, I had an excellent realtor. And my story on that one was that we were involved in a actually a two-piece property, like 4.25 acres subject. It was already in two tax lots. And we're trying to go through all this feasibility study because one side we were going to develop. And, and it's a lot of work when you're trying to deal with property. Yep. A lot of people think, oh, land always goes up, always goes up. Well, depending on where you are, you got to do wetland study, you got to do feasibility, and it usually costs somewhere between in the northwest where this piece was thirty-five thousand and ninety-five thousand per lot to develop. Okay. So to pencil that out with all the carrying costs and everything else, it's it's a chore and it's it's a process. And we were dealing with a seller that was kind of a old farmer boy. 
the weird side of libertarian. You know what I'm talking about? Like nobody from the county or the government can be on my property. Nice. Um, so he got to the point where he wouldn't let so the he, listen, he listens to Glenn Black. I don't even know if he, I think he's probably, Glenn Black's probably too much of a sissy for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably too much of a sissy for this guy, but go ahead. Oh man, it was, it was frustrating. Um, so I ended up dropping the deal just because it was like, uh, it, just too much. And it, it got to the point, is this guy an idiot? Is he an ignorant moron or is he hiding something? Okay. And when things don't feel right and you feel pressured to close or make any financial decision, you know, by a certain time frame or you're going to lose the deal, walk away. If anybody ever comes to you and offers you an investment that, you know, this is a great deal, but you have to do this today because it's not going to offer you. It's going to be gone. Which in the Bay Area is the exact opposite. If you can get that deal before <laughs> anyone else can get that deal, you can do it now. You do no it. Doubt. Yeah. The, the way that the does selling have, market does it have yeah. uh, cancer in it. We, we don't care. We'll take it <laughs> kind of thing. I'll lick the paint. And it's like, OK, goodbye me. But yeah. Back to you. Yeah. And it's, anyways, long story short, turned out um, found a much better spot as soon as we Walked away from the deal two days later, and you know, happy with that that process. Um, so, anyways, yeah, it's it's. I did find a for sale by owner house, so I had a real estate agent that I was working with that was really, really good. Really did a ton of work, and so the for sale by owner property. I, you know, first thing I did was negotiate. Hey, I've been working with this person. You know, you need to bring her in courtesy to broker, get her a fee. You know, I would say that when you're Buying a house and trying to find the right house, working with a real estate agent is, is kind of key. If you're selling a house in a hot market, you know, sometimes you can do for sale by owner. Use an attorney, though, to do some of the paperwork, to deal with some of the um, issues. This, this, this real estate agent did uh, above and beyond when it came to the first deal that we were looking at. Yeah. So she, you know, in terms of deadlines for feasibility, for financing, for all this other stuff, I mean, she was on top of it. So she earned her money for sure. From the for sale by owner side, how comfortable are you with that? Well, I've done two homes for sale by owner okay. in hot markets, um, and they worked out well. But I always had an attorney, so I still you know paid a couple thousand bucks in attorney's fees. But in that hot market where you knew what you could, you know, there's certain markets where you know here's I'm going to put it at the top line price, and here's what I'm willing to take for it. Right. Um, and there's already a ton of traffic in the area; people are already looking. Uh, if you're in a tougher market. Real estate agents typically will make their money, in my opinion, because you know they've they know how to market it. They right, know right. how to set it up in price. They know how to. You know, you know what I've learned about real estate agents? It's that they know other real estate agents who have buyers. Right. So, like you, when I was looking for a home, I would look for a home for nine months, and my realtor got clued in on a house that was getting ready to be shown. She contacted me. She said, "Get your offer ready. Let's do it." We did it before it even showed. Yeah. You know, that was the goal of get it done before it even shows. That doesn't always happen, but that's what realtors know. Other realtors who have buyers and realtors who are selling know other realtors who are selling. It's an interesting little incestuous community. And when I say incestuous, I don't mean it bad. Yeah. I mean, they all know each other. They do. I mean, it's, I mean, they, they all do well. The good, ones the good ones know how to network. So where I messed up at one point was walking into a place where, um, I wouldn't ask to see the house myself, so I'm talking to the the listing agent, and then I brought my my agent in later, and that gets a little contentious on the commission on you know whose client this really is. Right. So if you're going to work with an agent, always call the agent to go see the house. Don't call the number on the house. Good stuff. That's CFP Chad Burton. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. 
So this is a truth. Where are the Bitcoin loyalists? Bitcoin and Ethereum just had their worst first quarter price performance in history. Bitcoin fell from $13,412 to a value of $6,928 in three months. It's a 48% decline. I'm not interested in Bitcoin yet. I want things to be a little more legit. It's a little bit more mature. Having faced the world a little bit more. They've had a tough time advertising with Google, Facebook, because Google and Facebook realize this is risky. And yet the emails that I get are, should I do it? Should I do it? Should I do it? It's pretty fascinating to me. Anyway, I love you. Let's take a break. You can find me at Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. Always have seminars coming up. When I do, you can sign up at Rob Black Show and use the code radio 25 to get in for free. If you've been to these events before, don't sign up. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. What's going on in these markets? Why is Gene Simmons on CNBC talking about Spotify? Why is the president apparently going after Amazon? Why? There's a lot of questions right now. What's going on with Europe? Are they starting to reflate or are they starting to decelerate? Are we in a late cycle bull market? What does a late cycle bull market mean? And if we knew that, why can't we act on that? Um, Easter Monday, believe it or not, big holiday in the UK and Australia, Canada, and most of Europe. People don't realize that. The employment report that came out on Friday was pretty important. Um, so a lot going on, um, you know, Spotify IPO, but it's not an IPO. Bitcoin starting to collapse. Um, we need answers. <laughs> Interest rates starting to move higher. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. It's been a couple weeks since we've talked to you, Mr. O'Hare. How are you? Hey, Rob, I'm doing well. It's nice to be back with you. It's always good to chat. Um, hopefully you had a good Easter. You're rested and ready for the second quarter. First quarter, um, what a quarter. Um, big up in the stock market, big down in the stock market, and then volatility ensued in March. Uh, how would you look back at the first quarter and, and put some perspective on it? Yeah, well, I think what what we really saw uh, in the first quarter was um, the market, uh, this bull market was starting to question its its own mortality, so to speak, you know, as it was okay. confronted with some changes in its physiology, right? And what I'm driving at is that what it saw unfold in the first quarter uh, was, you know, uh, a Federal Reserve that is clearly operating with a tightening bias. It saw market rates move up. It saw trading volatility increase. Uh, it heard uh, 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 overtures of protectionism increase. Uh, and it, you know, took a step back and I think realized that after that really hot January start, uh, that the market had gotten ahead of itself, and with interest rates rising and the Federal Reserve operating with a tightening bias, uh, people got more contemplative about just how willing they are to pay up for every dollar of earnings. And so you've seen, remarkably, some multiple compression here, uh, even though uh, the earnings growth estimate, the first quarter earnings growth estimate, uh, went up considerably during the first quarter. Um, you know, according to FactSet, 
you know, at the end of December, you were looking for, um, the market was anticipating first quarter earnings growth of about, in the neighborhood of about 11%. We're now at uh, an estimate of just north of 17%. So you've seen a real uh, considerable increase uh, in the earnings growth estimate in the first quarter, um, and yet you've seen downward price action in the stock market. And I think what that reflects is just people uh, getting a, uh, taking a better step, uh, taking a step back, kind of having a collective risk assessment, if you will, and trying to de-risk uh, in some of the very crowded areas and uh, de-risk in a, a stock market that looks to be facing some headwinds this year, particularly as it relates to what's going on with monetary policy. It's pretty interesting. It's um, drama after eight years plus of markets moving higher, almost unattended. Um, on their own, they did great. And then you get a little bit of volatility and people start to creep it out of the woodworks. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? Um, that's what I'm seeing. So where are we realistically, in your opinion? Should we be raising cash in our portfolio a little bit? Should we just be looking at our allocations? Make sure that we have enough tech, not too much tech, enough defense, not too much defense, enough retail, not too much retail. Um, what what would you be doing if you weren't working at briefing.com? What would you be doing with your right. 401k? Yeah, well, you know, I do think you, you, you probably should be trying to um, rebalance in a way, if you will, if, you, okay. if you've been riding uh, these, you know, these big cap technology names uh, throughout the bull market. Um, you know, the names like Alphabet and uh, um, Facebook, you know, Apple, names like that. Um, and then, you know, Amazon.com always gets lumped into technology, but in fact, it's in the consumer discretionary sector. Uh, but that's another one, you know, that's just been, uh, a, a, you know, a momentum favorite. And, um, and I think, you know, more recently, what we've seen here with the upset in the technology sector as uh, the news cycle has kind of turned against some of these big technology names on the specter of increased regulatory pressure coming down on them, perhaps. Um, but, but it was a, an eye-opener for a lot of people, I think, that this contingent really was very you know, over-owned and quite crowded. And so um, with a lot of people moving in at a certain point, you get some uh, nerving price action when a lot of people move out at the same time as well. And kind of everyone's a little bit nervous about being left to hold the bag if they don't at least take some money off the table. Uh, And what's unique right now, though, is that even though you've seen uh, the technology sector sell off considerably over the last month. You haven't really seen a really uh, concerted rotation into other areas of the market uh, like you have in in, in past years. Uh, and again, I think that's a reflection of the market coming around to this notion that uh, it's you know it's reassessing the risk reward dynamic here as it anticipates an environment. Uh, um, you know, moving ahead that is likely to be accented with some rising interest rates, perhaps some rising inflation, uh, and maybe uh, a deceleration in the rate of earnings growth. That's not to say earnings growth can't still be good. It's just that it's, you know, perhaps maybe hitting its peak here. And again, that leads one to question just how willing they are to pay up for every dollar of earnings. So, so right now is an opportunity, I think, 
you know, to, to take a real good look at portfolios, see, you know, what has done extremely well, you know, when you're sitting on huge gains, perhaps taking some money off in those areas, moving to cash probably for the time being here. But, uh, but depending on your time horizon, um, you know, that's going to dictate a lot of things. You know, I should point out here uh, that with this sell-off we've seen since the, the beginning of the year, uh, the forward 12-month PE multiple on the S&P 500 is now trading at a, a slight discount to the five-year historical average, um, which is really interesting. Um, and again, you know, that multiple compression, though, does reflect some of these concerns about rising interest rates and, and the, the understanding that, uh, that perhaps the easy money, uh, not perhaps, but really that the easy money has been made in this, in this bull market. Okay, the easy money has been made in the bull market. We're not going to quote you, but we do want you to pull out your crystal ball. And someone asked me yesterday, I emailed, should I buy a house? I want to get, no, no, he didn't say should I buy a house. He goes, I want to get six plus, six to 10% in the housing market for the next 10 years. Where should I buy? And he gave me two cities and both were in California. And both of them are up probably 100% from the bottom. Um, back in 2006, 2008. And I'm, I'm like, you know, my opinion is five years in real estate is not an investment. It's a speculation. And, you know, you're welcome to do it. But, you know, um, I don't invest with thoughts of, you know, getting that good of a run going that much of the time. And um, is this bull market dead? Does this end badly? Does real estate end badly? Because we're seeing Bitcoin starting to end badly. We're seeing the market starting to break down from its 200-day moving average, which it's allowed to do. It's allowed to have a down year. But we're also starting to see, there's an article in USA Today about millennials chasing home prices at this point in time. And it just, to me, I don't have a gut instinct, but if I did, it would that this is going to end badly within reason, maybe a 15%, maybe a down year, maybe a sideways push, but not, you know, uh, not a disaster movie. We're not going to need the rock. We're not going to need Dwayne, the rock Johnson to get on a helicopter and save everyone who's ever invested, but it kind of feels that way. Right. Well, you know, it, it does Rob. And, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head here and pointing out that, um, You've had a, we've had a, a number of very good years in the stock market, certainly off the 2009 lows. So, um, you know, so when you when you hit this inflection point, you know, a modest decline feels a lot worse in the grand scheme of things than it really is. You know, the S and P 500 is down three percent for the year. Right, um, but you know, if someone's watching the day-to-day action this year, you might think it was down, you know, thirteen, fifteen percent. Um, now it's down ten percent off of its high, um, uh, but but really, I think people need just to take a step back and, and recognize that um, you know the, the market isn't falling apart here. Um, it's just it's correcting from an overbought situation and a very extended run of some really really good gains, and it you know. Uh, you know, like J.P. Morgan said, right, you, know, you never knew anyone go broke taking a profit, right? right. Uh, all of these gains that are just there on paper don't mean anything unless you do something with them, really. Um, and so there's, an, there's an, a move right now to, to take some profits out of, a very, um, uh, out of a market that's had a really great run for an extended period of time. But I think to get to the, the real heart of your question, though, is that uh, everyone needs to take stock of, you know, the path of interest rates, right? That is ultimately going to dictate 
how things unfold here for, for the equity market. If you get a spike in rates, um, you know, that's going to lead to some, some negative implications. Uh, if rates go up gradually as earnings growth remains pretty solid, then the market probably, you know, hangs in okay and bounces around in a, you know, in a channel, um, some good weeks, some bad weeks, but doesn't really fall apart. Uh, but ultimately, it's going to be the path of interest rates that, that uh, determines when this bull market, I think, uh, comes to an end. And of course, the Federal Reserve is going to have a, a key hand and a key part in, in, in helping in that determination. And then do we get a pro-business president or not? And lots going on. Thank you so much. Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com joining me as he does. You can find him at Briefing.com. I start my day every day by reading his page one. The moment I see it hit my email, I'm like, I'm on it. Um, But it's also a website you can go and check out, Briefing.com. He does a weekend perspective. There's the big picture. There's the market view. There's the swing trader. There's story stocks. There's bond reviews, the Fed briefings earnings calendars and much much more there's too much for me to even explain check it out briefing.com don't forget there's another hour of today's show to listen to find it now at kdow.biz or on the kdow radio app hello 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 how are you hello i'm rob black talking money investing and more trying to get you to retirement don't know if i'm always gonna be able to pull it off but i try Spotify's public debut today. It's a unicorn. Look, Daddy, a unicorn. It's magical. They pull in billions of dollars in revenue. They're worth billions of dollars. But they lose billions of dollars. And now they're selling that load of poop to the public. And letting you own shares of the company. Sort of problem for me it's not it doesn't speak to me um i've seen a lot of companies come public and yes they are the best at what they do and yes someone like google or amazon should jump on them to stay relevant against apple for as long as possible maybe apple should jump on them although something tells me the government wouldn't like that but we're gonna watch that one play out and you don't have a lot of information on that one an 18-year-old won the lottery on her first try. Ain't that something? One in six million odds. And I guess that's why everyone plays. Now, an 18-year-old winning the lottery and deciding on the annuity option is different than a 65-year-old in poor health deciding on the lump sum or the annuity. So when you win the lottery, they, they say, okay, we're not going to pay you a million dollars. If you want it all right now, we're going to give you 600000 Read the rules. We're allowed to do that. Or if you want a million a year, they'll, they'll annuitize it for you. It's an interesting concept. Do you want to take a payout for life? Or do you want it all up front? And that goes with you, too, in other areas of investing, where if you work for the government or you work for a company and... You developed a 401k, a 403b, a 457, all investment vehicles, saving for retirement. Or if you have a lump sum pension payout, do you take it as a lump sum or do you put it into annuity? Or do you start saying, I'm going to need some of that money. So you put three years of it into an income kitty and you pay yourself income over the next three years from that and you invest the rest. So a lot going on there. I would take the annuity under the age of 40. 
I would take um, every year for the rest of my life? Absolutely. Because I got a lot of life left. So, or would I take the upfront? And again, there's no right answer. That's the beauty of it. So there is no right answer. So other stories of note today, and again, you know, Elon Musk and Tesla. Tesla had a really bad march as people are starting to say, put up or shut up. Don't tell us. Show us. Show me the money. Tesla's reportedly urging workers to see how many Model 3s they can build in a week. In a pair of internal emails... Tesla's heads of engineering and production spell out measures designed to increase output to 300 or more Model 3s per day. So Tesla's urging workers to ramp up. The world is watching us closely to understand one thing. How many Model 3s can Tesla build in a week? That's good cheerleading, right? Ra, 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 shish, boom, ba. Beat em, beat em. Auto sales likely rose in March. GM, Ford, Toyota increases their projected tolls. U.S. auto sales are a show of consumer confidence. And when they're a show of consumer confidence, uh, we spend a lot of money into an industry that generates, you know, a, not a lot of our economy, not as much as they used to, but it's still kind of nice to see. Within reason, I'm not a new car kind of guy. Well, let's put it this way. I wasn't a new car kind of guy until I got enough money that I could say, I don't need to ever work again. And I think that's important to note. A new car has a premium to it. A new iPhone has a premium to it. A new house has a premium versus an existing home. How important is this stuff to you? I don't mind getting some things in life secondhand. Some things in life you don't want secondhand. You don't want secondhand chewed broccoli. That's disgusting. You want fresh brand new broccoli. But I'm not, I'm not against buying someone's bicycle, mountain bike from them. So... You can get a heck of a deal, comparatively. And the wheels on the bike go round and round. They don't make special bikes that are only for brand new. You can always get something used. So, yep, lots going on there. So you can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. And you want to talk about what we can talk about, money investing and more. So the market's fun to watch right now from a volatility standpoint, but it could be a little bit of a roller coaster. So make sure you're looking at your allocations, your assets, um, try to figure out exactly, you know, what your stomach for risk is. I think that's important. The situation in San Francisco is sinking skyscrapers so dire that condos are selling for a million under asking. I know you're saying, what was the ask on it? See, that's the kicker. Six million in March, 2017 gets discounted a million. It doesn't sound as bad. Would you live in the Millennium Tower? It's safe to occupy, but residents are leaving. They've got a plan to short up and fix it. That could be a that could be a crazy turnaround investment. Yeah. You can find me at robloxshow.com.